1620. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Hope you are having a great Saturday. Hope you're staying warm. Uh, we certainly have had some uh, some chilly temperatures uh, this past week. Not as bad as it's been uh, over most of the country, but still uh, for us Florida boys and girls, it's uh, it's been an unusual experience to say the least. But uh, we're going to warm up a little bit by by giving you some hot takes on uh, what's going Ooh. on in pop culture. You like that? Like that? This I love that. That's pro- great. Professional radio prognostication right there. Uh, we are going to be talking about, uh, well, we're going to talk a lot about WandaVision like we have been the past few weeks, and we'll get into some other topics as well later in the show. But joining me as he has been throughout our WandaVision conversation, uh, and will continue to join us through uh, through two more weeks at least of WandaVision conversation, please welcome back to the show Jeremy Branch. Julio, pleasure to have me here, man. Thank you very much. I've, I've really been enjoying doing the, uh, the episode breakdowns with you, so I look forward to, to wrapping this thing up here in a couple weeks. P- pleasure to have me here. I like that. <laughs> that, that was good. Uh, yeah, uh, no, we've, we've had a lot of fun with this, and I hope, uh, hope you listeners are as well. I haven't, uh, haven't heard anybody say they don't like it, so uh, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's a, all the green light I need, you know, as long as you don't tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> and, but uh yeah we'll get into we'll probably get into i'm sure some other pop culture topics as well but uh we're gonna we're gonna lean real heavy into the wandavision of it all this week because we had a yet another big episode debut this morning and or yesterday morning i should say excuse me and um man uh i, I want to start first of all with a couple of things that the internet said we were going to expect this week that we did not get and this is why folks you don't ever just take the internet at face value. So, so first Wait, of all, slow down. I, I know, I know. You don't take it. All right. I know, I know, I know. Everybody wants to believe that everything they see on the internet is true, and uh, it's not unless you know, it's, unless it's the internet telling you how you know amazing and handsome and virile I am. That that's all Correct. true. Everything you read on the internet about that is all true. But I and, about- and about Jeremy too. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, you know, but everybody else and everything else, no, no not so much. Now, uh, well, you know, there was there was a meme going around last week that said uh, the last three episodes of Wandavision would be hour long episodes, and it said on the meme, "Source Kevin Feige," and for some reason, for ninety eight percent of the internet, that was enough for them to not go look anywhere else and say, "Oh, well, they, they're going to be hour long episodes." I even saw. Uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin say it on their on their podcast, and yeah, you know, those guys are usually pretty reliable sources, and they've been talking about Wandavision as at least as intensely as we have been on on this show, probably a little more so. And uh, they just took it as gospel fact. And the first time I saw that meme come up, I asked the person that posted it, "Do you have a source for this beyond a meme?" Because I don't, I'm not finding Kevin Feige saying this anywhere in any legitimate media. And I never did find Kevin Feige saying it anywhere in any legitimate media. And lo and behold, it was a 30-minute episode this week. So, so your first instinct was to say there's no way that they're going to each be an episode or an hour long? Or were you just no, kind I, of like, I don't see anything to tell me that that's what's happening? I believed it was possible. Uh, it would certainly okay. make sense. You know, a lot of times as these things go on, they do get 
longer, and it's not like a network TV show where it has to fit in a certain time slot. It's you right. know it's streaming. We've seen you know the, certainly the uh, the Mandalorian on Disney Plus has varied its episode lengths. So it, it, it seemed possible and reasonable, but anytime I see something like that, my first instinct, and you know, maybe this comes from 20 years of being a journalist, but my first instinct yeah. is go out and see if you can see it verified somewhere that is a legitimate source. Now, when I say legitimate source, I don't mean a Facebook meme. I don't mean I heard. <laughs> I don't mean, and I don't mean 85% of the entertainment websites out there because there are a ton of sites out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can, we can name them, but the, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest criminal in this department is, uh, we got this covered. Uh, but there's, you know, there's a bunch of them, giant freaking robot and cosmic book news and comicbook.com and screen would rant. Easier, would you say it would be easier to name the ones that were like valid sources than it would be to name the ones that oh. weren't? Because I would only say like maybe entertainment weekly, Hollywood reporter, yeah, I think it's absolutely easier. And, and I, yes, those are. So first of all, you've got your, your Hollywood trades. That's the Hollywood Reporter, Variety, and Deadline. Mm. And any of those usually rock solid sources. If they're reporting something that's not confirmed, it's rare. And they will say that they will say very clearly this is reported and is not independently verified. And they rarely will do that. So you've got those. Then you've got uh, basically your mainstream media, your uh, USA Today, your New York Times, your LA Times, any any legitimate newspaper or news magazine, Newsweek, something like that. Some of those get more in entertainment news than others, but and then yes, you have your Entertainment Weekly, your People, you know, your your longstanding uh, entertainment magazines that have been around for some time. Those are, those are all legitimate sources. Anything else is not. Yeah, and yeah. Let, and, I, I wanted the folks to hear it from you because, yeah. like you said, you have a lot of experience in the world of journalism, and to know that the majority of those sites are just 100% clickbait, I think that's important to know because the good stories come from the top, the ones that you listed, and then other publications will grab those stories yeah. and then report on those, which is what I do a bit. You yeah, know? well, and I mean, to be fair, some of those some of those sites that indulge in rumors and clickbait do repeat stories from legitimate news, but they you, you can tell because a you've seen it somewhere else, right? And b they'll usually link the source in the story, so mm-hmm. they'll say you know according to Deadline blah blah blah. Okay, well if it's according to Deadline, then you go to Deadline and the story is really there. Then yeah, that's that's legit. Right. That's that's a trust trustworthy source, and you can go on. And there's there's been you know there's always a ton of that, but there's been a, a lot of it this week in particular, not just with regard to WandaVision, but uh, these reports that have been just all over the place on everywhere that's not legit and not in the trades, which absolutely would be in the trades if this were happening, claiming that uh, AT&T is going to sell off DC Comics. It's, it's oh, been, wow. It, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it's been, it's been everywhere. And as far as I can tell, it's not true. And a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, Rob Liefeld said he'd heard it. And, uh, you know, he was a well-known comics artist and creator. And Jimmy mm-hmm. Palmiotti, another well-known artist and creator, said he heard it. Well, you can hear things, but that doesn't make the things that you heard true. It just means that you heard <laughs> right. them. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, taking the, I'm taking these guys at their words that they've heard these things, but that doesn't mean that they, they know any more than anybody else does. So, you know, uh, t- always take it with a grain of salt if you don't see it on – 
you know, I, like I said, I usually go to the trades first, first and foremost, and I check at least a deadline just about every day. Uh, uh, you know, they, they end up feeding off each other. And I do read a little bit on Variety and Hollywood Reporter as well. But but uh, Deadline is is my main news source. And, then, you know, there's also a, a, a piece of art that went around this week that purported to be the first look at the Aquaman animated series that they're going to do for HBO Max. And I, again, it hasn't been on any legitimate site, but it's been on every one of the rumor sites. And people are freaking out because it looks like a 90s Nicktoon. Uh, and uh, and that's not what they wanted out of something that was meant to be canon between the two Aquaman movies. Uh, huh. You know, so I, I don't know where this piece of art came from. I don't know if it's real. Most of them seem to have taken it off of uh, what's on HBO Max Twitter feed, which is not, clearly labeled as not an official HBO Max Twitter feed. Like I said, you know, break, break out your salt shaker and pour it all over these things, and maybe they'll dissolve like slugs because... Uh, <laughs> that that's about the level that I would put most of these sites on. I think they're, they're slugs. Mm-hmm. I think they're drains on the, the entire entertainment industry. They're drains on the conversation online. They, 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 they drag it down, you know, as much as any political commentary drags it down. It's uh, which, you know, that's saying something, but yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't mean to go on a whole rant and do the whole, uh, the whole first segment on this, uh, this topic, but it bears repeating and it bears, it bears people knowing about. So folks, uh, just use some, uh, use some discretion in your sources. If you're, if you're ever in doubt, Hey, hit me up on Facebook. I'll tell you, I, I have no problem sure. with that. Uh, Hey, we're, we're actually out of time for the first segment. So we'll get in, into WandaVision into the second segment. We'll be back in a moment with more. You're listening to let's go Pensacola on news radio, 92.3 and AM 1620. <laughs> News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. I've got Jeremy Branch from the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube on the line with me this morning. And we are talking WandaVision. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put up the spoiler warning now, folks, because the, the rest of this segment and maybe probably into the next one, we'll be, uh, we'll be getting into the details of this week's episode of WandaVision. So if you haven't watched it yet, uh, what, first of all, what's wrong with you? Because you've had, uh, oh gosh, uh, more than 36 hours, uh, almost a full 48 hours since the episode dropped. I mean, why aren't you staying up until uh, 2 a.m. on Thursday night to watch these episodes like I am? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's become that important in my week that I'm I'm, I'm sacrificing a couple hours of sleep uh, to, to make sure that I get these in. Of course, I could get up the, early the next day, but what's the fun in that? <laughs> That's been my routine. I'm I'm impressed, Julio. I, we're we're not exactly spring chickens, and the fact that you're able to stay up till two a.m. to uh, watch the show is is impressive. I have set my alarm to do it one time, but yeah. And other than that, I've been getting up first thing and doing it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this week I I actually did that. I um I crashed out for about an hour and a half before the episode came on. 
So I, I set I set an alarm for for two a.m. to get up at two a.m. and watch it. Oh, I love back it. To bed. Uh, but but the past couple weeks before that, I've just been stand up. It just depends on where I get to and how tired I am, that sort of thing. But uh, be, before we get into the meat of the episode, before we uh, ended the last segment, I had said there were two things that the internet was claiming were going to happen this week that didn't happen. The first was the the hour long episodes, which I think was. Uh, we we pretty thoroughly debunked and gave you the whole screed about what not to pay attention to on the internet. Uh, the other one has been the, there's been these stories in legitimate news sources uh, where Paul Bettany has said that there, in, in not just Paul Bettany, but there's been these stories about there is another big cameo coming. Of course, we got uh, Evan Peters has uh, been uh, in the past three episodes uh, as Quicksilver. And uh, bringing over possibly his Quicksilver from the uh, Fox X Men universe, or possibly not. There's still some uh, some question about that, uh, which I guess we'll hopefully find out in the next couple of episodes. But uh, there's been these stories that there's been an- there is another big appearance coming in the series with a big actor, somebody who Paul Bettany says is somebody he's wanted to work with his entire life. Uh, which is, you know, that's pretty broad. Uh, but uh, there's been some speculation about who that's going to be. And, of course, then there was the, oh, well, it's going to be in this next episode, meaning this week's episode. Uh, nope. 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 There, there were no, uh, no, no big surprise actors in this episode, no big surprise characters that we've seen before or anything like that. Let's get into some of the speculation here uh, that there's been on this, Jeremy. There's been speculation that maybe it would be Magneto, who in the comic books, at least at one time, was Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's father. Uh, right. So there's been some speculation that maybe it would be one of the versions of Magneto from the, the Fox films. Now, Paul Bettany's worked with Ian McKellen a couple of times. They were, they were They've been together in a couple of movies. So that kind of put the kibosh on that. So there was the question of maybe it's Michael Fassbender who played the younger Magneto. I mean, Paul Bettany has been acting a little longer than Michael Fassbender has. So for that to be somebody I've wanted to work with my entire life, that seems a sketchy possibility. But so that was out there. Uh, Professor Xavier was out there as a possibility. And Mm -hmm. uh, there, there were stories that were, Patrick Stewart had a meeting with Kevin Feige about playing Professor Xavier again and basically told him, look, if we hadn't done Logan, I'd do it. But Logan is really the end point of that character and I need to leave it there. So don't expect Patrick Patrick Stewart to show up not only in this, but in really any more Marvel movies, at least as Charles Xavier, unless maybe, you know, they back up a truckload of money to his house and he changes his mind. But uh, I don't think uh, I don't think Patrick Stewart's hurting too bad. He's got that Uber Eats money coming no. in. Uh, that, that's that's who, he's, who him and Mark Hamill are doing the commercials with, right? It's Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Good you know, commercials too. Yeah, no, those are a lot of fun, and it's great to see you know the Star Wars and Star Trek universes kind of kind of coming together in that. So uh, so those possibilities were out. So there's you know there's there's been all that. Oh, what's going to be somebody connected to Wanda? But then we've had this whole thing of. Monica Rambeau has, for for the past several episodes, been saying that she needed to meet up with her guy, her her um, aerospace engineering guy, that was going to get her taken care of and help her get back into. You know, there's been a couple references to this guy, and then they were going to meet the, her guy this episode and get something that was going to let her get back into into Westview through the hex, 
and uh, we, you know, we went to where the guy was this week, and uh, yeah, it was it was an actor. Wasn't anybody? Yeah, it was some guy. Well, it wasn't even a guy. It was a girl. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, which, true. which there'd been some speculation about, but it was never, you know, like there's been all the the big, big speculation was, oh, it's going to be Reed Richards, and that it was this was going to be our introduction to the Fantastic Four. There's been a few things in the series that seem like they may be planting seeds for the Fantastic Four, and and that was that was one of them. You know, a lot of people wanted to believe it was going to be Reed Richards, and maybe it was going to be not an actor that we've seen before because I think we all expect the Fantastic Four to get recast when the Fantastic Four movie uh, from Marvel Cinematic Universe comes out in a few years. Uh, I, I certainly don't see them using the Josh Trank Fantastic Four. And, no. I'd, and I'd be astonished if they go back to the, uh, to the, to the previous one, just if nothing else that, you know, first of all, you'd have uh, Chris Evans having to play both Johnny Storm and Captain mm-hmm. America, which is possible. You know, there's been some news that, Chris Evans has been in negotiations to come back to uh, to be in more Marvel movies, even though he uh, more or less laid his version of Cap to rest. So I guess that's a possibility. But uh, but I, I just feel like it's but I also thought that they would just totally recast the X-Men. And here we are with with Evan Peters running around. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's an interesting thing. I didn't hear a lot of the X-Men side of the rumor mill. I heard a lot of the John Krasinski is going to come in as Reed Richards in this episode. He's the the aerospace engineer that they're referring to. Um, I knew that wasn't going to happen, man. But it's it's an interesting thing in the fandom community to where if those couple of rumors that you had addressed did come true, then everybody would obviously, I say everybody, many people would be voicing the fact that they knew it was going to happen all along. If it doesn't happen, then we've got the hindsight to be able to be like, yeah, of course that wasn't going to happen. But this episode still, despite the fact that there wasn't any of these, you know, major cameo reveals, it is again, just going deeper and deeper into storylines and plots that are going to have massive ramifications later on down the line. Um, there's well, a couple of things that happened that I was real curious about your take, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, you know, first of all, the the whole John Krasinski thing, that's like the internet's fan casting for, for Reed Richards. Sure. Th- that hasn't actually been announced or anything like that. So if you're, if you're sitting around thinking, Oh, in a couple of years, we're going to see John Krasinski in a fantastic four movie. That's not announced. It's not anything official. It's just the internet has decided that that's who they want, and right. and and that would be fine. I not not necessarily my first choice. Although I love John Krasinski, but to mention John Krasinski in this makes a lot of sense because first of all, we're into the 2010s here very solidly in the sitcom world, and yeah. the the theme song for this episode of Wandavision was very much in the vein of the Office theme song. It was. And there were there were little bits, especially some of the looks that Paul Bettany gives to the camera that were very Jim Halpert. Yeah, there were. And I felt that uh, maybe Elizabeth Olsen was doing a little bit of a Julie Bowen because you can definitely draw the parallels between, as you mentioned, The Office, which is dead on the money when it comes to the theme song. But you have been mentioning for a few weeks now that you saw little snippets that were very modern family. And I felt that this, while it definitely had uh, elements of the office in it, I felt that it was more closely related, had more of the same DNA as 
as Modern Family, and I felt that oh, her storyline yeah. in particular was very Julie Bowen from from Modern Family. Yeah, no, I mean, Modern Family is clearly the major inspiration for this. But let's be honest, Modern Family doesn't exist without The Office. Hundred Mo- percent. Modern, Modern Family is the family version of The Office. It is very much That's the, a good the, point. The Office is in the DNA, the uh, in the same way that The Office is in the DNA of Parks and Recreation. You yeah. know, it's it's it, it is that whole mockumentary talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall uh, of uh, style of sitcoms that uh, that this episode is is leaning into. And speaking of, uh, that's one other thing I want to mention about, like, the possible cameos. So, somebody I was talking to online during the week had said, oh, well, maybe the cameo is going to be Deadpool. And I thought, well, you know, that would be a lot of fun, but there's really no connection between Deadpool and these characters, so that that seems odd. But then this episode was called Breaking the Fourth Wall, which is what Deadpool yeah. does all the time. And they kept showing that hula girl on the dashboard of the uh, – the funnel cake truck that that Darcy envisioned. Wow! And I, when I the first time I saw that hula girl, I was like, "Oh my god, are they going to do Deadpool?" Yeah, you know, I mean, what a cool idea! I didn't even think about that. I did think uh, all of a sudden breaking the fourth wall isn't weird in the MCU anymore. Uh, but I didn't even think about Dopender's freaking hula girl, and that's where they found the key in this episode to drive the van. Wow. That would be something else. Yeah. I mean, I still don't think that's where they're going, but I started questioning it in this episode. Sure. You know, and it it could have just been a a nice nod to the fact that Deadpool is, is, you know, Marvel's main fourth wall breaker. Although there were others before that, Uh, if you ever get a chance to go back and read the, uh, the John Byrne run on sensational She-Hulk, uh, she was very much Deadpool before Deadpool in that regard. She broke the fourth wall. She tore through pages of the comic. That. Oh, yeah. Great, great comic run that you should go back and read. Of course, we're getting a She-Hulk series coming up on uh, on Disney Plus in the you know relatively near future, in this year or next year. So, uh, you know, maybe that's a seed there, too. Who knows? I don't know. But, uh, you know, just a lot going on there. And... Um, I still don't think Deadpool's who we're going to see in in this series, but you never know. No, so it starts off with the uh, office theme that you had mentioned, and we keep seeing Wanda's name over and over and over again. It's almost like Vision's an afterthought and doesn't appear until the actual title card. But I think that was a really clever device considering where things end. That was something that crossed my mind is like, oh, this is all about Wanda and her uh, creation, this manifestation of her uh, grief and dealing with her pain, and then all of a sudden, no, it was Agnes the whole time. What did what did you think about that reveal? Well, I'll tell you what I thought about that after we, uh, after we go to break. Ooh. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We've got Jeremy Branch from the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube on the line with us. And we are talking about this week's episode of WandaVision. And I'm realizing I got my my theme songs backwards. I thought we'd get to uh, 
to the Agatha of it all quicker in the in the last segment, and we and we really didn't. So I entered uh, last segment with the uh, the theme song from the Monsters, which uh, which is going to become relevant in just a moment. And instead, we ended up talking about uh, the the Office uh, implications of this episode. So I had to come back with the Office theme and just kind of balance the scales there. But uh, Jeremy, you asked before the break what I thought about the big reveal at the end of the episode which is, as the song goes, it was Agatha all along. And we, uh, we had our big reveal that Agnes, played by Catherine Hahn, is, as rumored throughout the entire series, Agatha Harkness, who is an interesting mm-hmm. character from the Marvel Universe. And I'm, I still think I'm interested about what's going to happen here because I think this may be still a little bit of a mislead. I, I, I don't think that Agatha is the, is the overall villain here. And even though the so why how come well the the close of the episode certainly sets it up that that it is there's a, there's a big reveal that uh, Agnes is in fact Agatha Harkness and then she gets her own theme song which I thought was just really cool and that th- theme song was very clearly based on 60s monster sitcoms and I think it was in in particularly owed a debt to the monsters theme but you know the monsters Adams family those those kinds of shows. And you had all these little scenes that were kind of things that we didn't see on camera in the past several episodes from Agatha's perspective. And and all these little bits of her behind the scenes working some kind of magic that was causing things to happen. I'm curious to know, first of all, too, whether the the female vocal on the theme song was Catherine Hahn, because it sure sounded like her. Sure could have been. And, and I think it might have been. And then the other thing the other thing I thought was really great about that in, that in that they managed to hide spoilers on that at all. And one of the ways they did that was if you watch the end credits and you in every uh everyone in these episodes in any movie, because they've treated these very much like movies, you have full credits for every episode that you don't necessarily get on a network sitcom. So they have credits for the songs used in the in the in the various episodes. And the the title of that song, which in the in the in the show goes, it was Agatha all along. The title of that song is actually, it was blank all along. Oh, clever! There's literally clever. a blank section in the title with like an underline where there'd be a word there. Uh, <laughs> so so they actually titled the song for for copyright purposes. It was blank all along, which is uh, oh, that's I, really clever. I think yeah. I mean it's it. It helped. It, it helped keep the secret. We didn't. Uh, we didn't see that reveal coming. Uh, we. 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 I think we've all seen that. That those of us that know comics had a you know a belief that it was probably Agatha Harkness, but that she was manipulating things. I don't think any of us. There'd been some people that had suggested that that was a possibility and and that sort of thing. I think we may have even suggest, had that discussion before, Jeremy. I still feel like there's something else going on here, just because of who Agatha Harkness is in the comics. In the comics, she is very much a character that is there to help Wanda. Mm. So I don't know if if that's what's going on here. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe she thinks she's the the villain and there's still someone else. But we've had all this discussion over all this time about characters like Mephisto and Mojo and other characters that might have some kind of implication over all of this. I think there's a reason we saw Dottie in this episode. For the first time, yeah. For the first time in several well. episodes, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that she was just there as a random person that was reacting to what was happening on the street, even though she didn't have any dialogue. I think there was a reason we were reminded that she exists in this episode. You remember, Agatha herself said in a previous episode that Dottie was the key to everything that happens in Westview. 
I do remember that. That's interesting. So, I, so potentially I think... Dottie is uh, pulling strings even behind the scenes of behind the scenes, you think? I do, and I also, uh, you know, I think it's noteworthy that uh, Emma Caulfield Ford, who plays Dottie, has mentioned in an, in an interview that uh, Kevin Feige had to sign off on her being cast, so it's not a minor role. Oh, wow. Yeah, that that's it, information in itself. And you know, there were two things that, that occurred to me. I almost feel a little bit of disappointment in the way that you're framing this. If Agatha ends up being the villain, I, I can't tell for sure how you would feel. I, I think I would be all right with it because I have had feelings that there was more going on with her than meets the eye. But when, when Wanda shows up at Agatha's house and the twins are not there and it completely shifts tones into a horror movie and she starts walking down the stairs, I'm like, this feels like Sam Raimi. This feels like Sam Raimi stepped in and started directing the last five minutes mm-hmm. of this episode. And then boom, that magic book shows up. And I'm like, it's, it's the Necronomicon. I mean, I know it's not the Necronomicon, but I've felt that influence ahead of time. And I don't know if you have some sort of inside information that I'm not aware of. If maybe you read, did Sam Raimi have anything to do with this episode? If he did, I haven't heard it. Doesn't mean he hasn't, but, uh, but I haven't heard it. I thought the book may have been the Darkhold, uh, which is, which is, that's a big, you know, mystical juju MacGuffin in Marvel comics. Um, sure. You know, kind of like Necronomicon, that sort of thing. Uh, they Does used it, tie it they, to a character like Mephisto. Uh, it, it ties to really anything on the on the magical spectrum. Uh, you okay. know, it was uh, something that was kind of introduced in the '90s when all of the the Midnight Suns characters were banging up against each other. So Ghost Rider and uh, Blade, Morbius, and Morbius, and Blade. And, uh-huh. yeah. uh, but they used that pretty heavily in Agents of Shield. Uh, there, there were a couple of seasons mm. where they where they dealt with the Darkhold and and that Ghost Rider was in the episodes, that sort of thing. So if it was the Darkhold, it certainly wasn't the same version of it that was used on Agents of Shield because, for one, uh, you know it, it didn't look like the same prop, and for two, I know that they sold the the prop uh, because I that's part of my. You have it in your possession. I do not have it in my possession, unfortunately, but I did uh, see the uh, the auction of all the Agents of Shield stuff that that was sold off, and that was sold off. So. Uh, or at least, you know, unless they made more than one, which is possible, they often do. But uh, it's not, it's definitely not the same prop that was used on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I can say that much. Doesn't mean it's not the Darkhold. Doesn't mean it is the Darkhold. But uh, but it's definitely not the same exact prop that was used. So there's that, at least. I, I have a feeling that's not something they dip into. I guess, I'm guessing that's that's just Agatha's spell book. But um, I didn't ask because I, I, I didn't know until afterwards. But did you see the post credit scene? I did. There, yeah, we, that's a good thing to mention, folks. I know a lot of you have uh, have not been sitting through the credits on this show because after the first episode or two, there was no mid or post credit scene. So you trained yourself not to bother watching. Uh, and which is also that's another interesting debate on the Internet because people are complaining about the length of the credits and they're they're feeling like they're duped on how long the episodes are are because of the length of the credits, which is stupid because credits are, are entitled, aren't we? Credit credits are always included in the runtime of any film or TV show. So mm-hmm. you know the length of the credits has nothing to do with the length of the meat of the show. But put that aside because yes, we have our first mid credit scene in an episode of WandaVision this episode. And it's very short. Uh and it's just um in case you missed it or in case you haven't got had a chance to go back and watch it or just wondering what's going on, it's uh 
Monica staking out Agatha's house and uh, she opens up the, the cellar and sees some of that purple energy. And then Evan Peters Pietro shows up and says, Snooper's going to snoop. And, and that's it. So we don't know yet whether Pietro's there to be an ally of, of Monica or whether he's a machination of Agatha. That's or, what I saw, Julio, because he had the purple eyes. And when oh, he made did he? eye I didn't contact that. with Monica, her eyes went purple. So I think it was Agatha's essence being transferred from one to the next. And okay. I could be wrong, but that's how I interpreted it. I didn't notice the purple eyes, so that's interesting. Now, what I had noticed as far as Monica's eyes is the blue eyes that we saw what? several times during the episode. That was cool. So I, we're, we're seeing Monica come into her powers uh, as we've been, as been mentioned repeatedly, her cell, her cells have been rewritten by going in and out through the, uh, through the hex several times. So are you thinking this is going to have the outcome of her becoming photon, which kind of has the same powers as Captain Marvel? Or are we thinking this is the beginning of the mutants? Do you have a, do you have a side you're leaning on with that? Well, I mean, they didn't choose Monica Rambeau at random. It's it's sure. there's a reason that we're seeing that character. I, I have always expected that character to become whatever name they're going to give her. I mean, Photon is the one that she's used in the comics, and so is Spectrum. Uh, so is Captain Marvel, for that matter. She was That's actually she was actually Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers was Captain Marvel. So uh, so that's a that's I guess a possibility. We're sure we're going to. Uh, see her in Captain Marvel 2, that that much is out there. And, uh, you know, there's also a lot of interesting dialogue that happened while she was breaking through the hex that I'm not sure was all recycled from the Captain Marvel movie. I don't, I'm not sure that some of that wasn't new dialogue. I didn't recognize all of it, but I've only seen Captain Marvel twice, so, so it's possible. But, um, you know, we've talked about the tension that that Monica seemed to have or the negative feelings she had towards Carol but it was obvious in this that moment in particular when she's breaking through the barrier that there's a part of Carol that you know she cares deeply about and that it took Carol's almost motivating her to get back up and how she's the toughest kid of all of them to to break through and literally uh break through and become something that was more than than just human so I thought that was kind of cool symbolically and it definitely leads me to believe that we're going to get a little more carol in the show now could that be the cameo that 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 you was talking about well i don't think so because i believe that they have been in an avengers movie together paul bettany and, and oh, brie, yeah. brie larson but it's point. possible we'll we'll get into it some more after the break you're listening to news radio 92.3 and am 1620 
News Radio 923 at AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We have been talking about WandaVision with Jeremy Branch. Man, I can't believe I hadn't thought to play that song in uh on in a WandaVision discussion yet because uh Evil Woman by ELO just seems to fit. And it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter who we're talking about, but I guess it's become more appropriate than than ever with uh this particular episode with the Agatha Harkness reveal. So we don't know whether for sure, but it looks like it certainly looks like Agatha Harkness may be an evil woman. We still don't know for what sure a whether great Wa- needle drop. We still don't know for sure whether Wanda is. I mean, she she has the line in this episode. Well, maybe I am the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the which is another great. Now that just reminded me, I could play Billie Eilish at some point too. Uh, <laughs> the the possibilities are endless. But uh, yeah, so I mean, we we still only have two episodes left, and we still have so many unanswered questions. And that's, I think, one of the great things about this show. Unless we get to the point where it doesn't answer the questions, and then we have a problem. Because uh, mm. it wouldn't certainly wouldn't be the first show to to blow that or to give a disappointing answer or or something like that. I think we're going to get answers, but there has to, we know there has to be enough thread left there to justify the fact that Wanda is going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is, uh, you know, the next big, uh, the next big Doctor Strange movie that's coming to the big screen. Something in this is going to lead into that. We know that. I feel like we're knocking on the door with that, with that last scene. It almost looked like the sanctum. I mean, it didn't look like the sanctum. It looked nothing like it, but, uh, the aesthetics, the, the the design, it's almost like the concept artist might have pulled inspiration from Doctor Strange's world because the MCU, as as cohesive as it is, there are certainly uh, disparate elements that, that are distinctive to each of the different franchises. And that's one of the things that you and I both, you know, love about the MCU as a whole is that it can both be dramatically different from each other while also um, kind of all fitting together and and WandaVision has done a really good job of, of going so far out into left field, yet still keeping us in a in a place that's familiar enough that it doesn't. It's not like cognitive dissonance, like we mentioned before the break about the uh, the breaking of the fourth wall. If you would have asked me prior to WandaVision what it would be like to have a person in the MCU break the fourth wall, I would say that would completely destroy the immersion. That would that would undermine everything that's been built up to this point, and now it doesn't even feel it doesn't even feel out of place so i think that's uh that's one of the things that they've done really well and to your point about uh ending it in a way that feels fulfilling while still leaving the threads open i mean that's kind of marvel in a nutshell but i do worry a little bit about that because typically you want there to be some sort of resolution with your protagonist however um this might be the opposite of that yeah, well, we know there's some tie-in with the next Spider-Man movie, too, so there's definitely some threads that are going to grow out of that, which is part of the purpose. But I think, you know, every Marvel movie we've seen so far, with the possible exception of uh, Infinity War, has has told a complete story while still having threads that could go into the next one. So I, I, I hope they're going to continue that. I hope we're going to get some some dramatic resolution to this particular story that still leaves room to go on into into more. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Kevin Feige knows what he's doing at this point. I, there's not, yeah. there's not any Marvel product up to this date that it hasn't been at least watchable, if not just, you know, mind blowingly great. 
you know, there, there's some stuff I'm more of a fan of than others, but it's possible. You know, there's another thing I want to mention, too, that may not be the most obvious crossover here, but there's some possibility in this as well. What about the possibility of Kang being involved in this? We, we know Kang okay. is going to be in the, the, in the next Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. We know he's a big Marvel baddie. We know he's got ties to Scarlet Witch, and he's got per- ties in particular to her children. We're seeing a lot of the other characters that, if you don't know, um, Wanda's children eventually in the comics go on to become members of the Young Avengers. And we're seeing a lot of the other members of the Young Avengers being introduced in various things. Uh, you know, America Chavez is coming up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We've got uh, the Kate Bishop Hawkeye coming up in the Hawkeye series. We've got uh, all of these various characters. Of course, Stature, uh, Scott Lang's daughter, uh, Cassie, has already been introduced. Do you think there... Um, I mean, and... I know Jonathan Majors... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I know Jonathan Majors was cast to play Kang. I know people, uh, yourself included, have said Kang is a big... Uh, villain in the comics. I'm not familiar with him. Can you give me the TLDR of what Kang's thing is? So Kang is a, a time traveler. He comes from the, the distant future where there, you know, everything is peaceful and boring. And he's he's a genius and he decides, well, I'm going to go back in time and conquer the world and conquer all of time and reality because I'm bored. Oh. And so okay. he, he, he ends up becoming the... There are actual several characters that are all versions of Kang. Uh, there's um, Immortus, there's uh, Prince Ramatut, and then, interestingly, the youngest version that we know of of Kang is a character who is called Iron Lad, who is a member of the Young Avengers. Ah, oh, so, wow. Who, who decides he's going to stop you know his future self from becoming evil. So, you know, they're, they're, the ties are there. We're definitely seeing the, the, the seeding of these younger characters out there. You know, of course, Ms. Marvel is coming, too. She wasn't ever a young Avenger, but she is certainly one of the younger Marvel Universe characters. You know, they could be doing something else. They could be doing the Champions, which is another young Marvel team. Uh, you know, there's, there's opportunities there, but there, there are larger seeds being planted with the, with the kids. And uh, it's almost as if Kevin Feige is just taking a bag of seeds and, and I might be wrong. He might have way more strict uh, outlines than I'm giving him credit for, but he throws the seeds out into the field and then just kind of sees which ones start to grow and then nurtures and, and really focuses attention on those kind of base. It's almost like he's baiting the audiences in a way, which is actually incredibly smart, but I can't in my head, uh, wrap my head around how you can make so many different things work other than, Hey, maybe this is just a throwaway reference. Maybe it ends up being something huge later on down the line. I mean, what, what do you think about how much is like planned for the future and how much is just kind of seeing what people are going to be into? Oh, there's a plan and there's a plan beyond what we know about the, you know, even though there's been like 24 some odd Marvel projects announced that we know are coming and we know kind of the schedule mm-hmm. that they're coming on and we kind of know what they are. There, there's a plan beyond that that we don't know about yet, and I, I think, and I think the Young Avengers or some young hero team is is part of that for sure. I, I think there's there's a reason we're seeing all of those characters being introduced, including uh, Tommy and Billy, who in the comics go on to become Wiccan and Speed. 
Uh, and are they Young Avengers? They are indeed Young Avengers. Nice. Okay. So, so you know, we'll see what comes of that. Uh, the the Tommy and Billy disappearing in this episode means something too. Uh, and I, you know, I don't want to get too spoilery from the comics, but there's something going on there that uh, does not bode well for everybody, uh, especially mm. because th- this is another thing I want to mention that we hadn't really gotten into yet. Wanda's on the verge of a breakdown here. It, it's very clear, and they, you know, they play all these little modern family Julie Bowen esque segments with her talking to the camera, kind of humorous, but it's also really, really disturbing and creepy. Yes, you're right. And it, it, just the way that the way that Elizabeth Olsen plays that is just so good. She is so underrated in this in this role. You know, I hope that she sees some some awards recognition for this down the line. But man, alive is she just really like walking the tightrope there. Yes, there was one moment in particular where she was saying, "I'm fine," and she repeated the line five, six times. Clearly, like you said, jokey, also. Uh, heavy, also dark, and there's a, just this very nuanced little shift in her facial expression at the very end of that line reading that you're like, oh, good, good for you. I just wanted to stand up and give her an applause just because she she nailed the thing in between the lines, and I think that's really important for actors to be able to do. Do you think that we're done with the sitcom world at this point? Because they've pretty much caught up to close to modern day in, in, in sitcoms, unless they're going to, you know, next week's going to be a Bob Hart's Abishola pastiche or something like that. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's what we've got coming. And it's mentioned in the, the real world that the broadcasts have stopped. Okay. So, so do you think, think that we're right. going to, do you think that they're going to bother to do sitcom stuff in the next couple of episodes or are we full on into Endgame here? I'm curious how you would classify this because I think we're going to get a little bit of both. If I, if we do continue the sitcom things, it's going to be in the phasing of the multiverses, uh, similar to what we saw in this particular episode where her television was going from one time period to another. And again, we'll talk about aesthetics and the cohesion. It felt very into the Spider-Verse at different moments. And uh, we saw gags from previous episodes come back in. So I could see an episode potentially where everybody's inside the, not the shimmer, the hex, uh, everybody's inside the hex and everything around them is just basically switching channels from one decade to another and everything's just chaotic uh, madness, if you will. But I don't know if you would consider that, uh, you know, actually sitcom world. But I think that's a possibility. Well, that's interesting. I guess we'll find out what happens next week. Jeremy, it's been great talking about all of this with you. We'll have you back next week to see what's next. Thanks for listening. Always. Listening. Thank you. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.